Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper, you are Live from the Path. once claimed that it was good. Sometimes I go for candy after school. <laughs> you think sometimes is the way to start that? That is an every time I, I go for candy after school. You guys have any laughing taffy? <laughs> Make sure it's the saltwater taffy. I, I enjoy myself the artisanal taffies. That's exactly what that guy looks like. Artisanal taffy. I look like a guy that's a snobby, snobby fella. Weighs 450 pounds, but still eats all the artisanal foods. Are these eggs cage-free? I'm going to eat a dozen of them. I just need to make sure they're cage-free. I don't want to have to stop and read it is halfway it, through. Is this a heritage breed of pork? Because I'm really interested. If I'm going to eat the whole hog, then I need to make sure it was treated well. Yes. I want to know if it really had a good family. <laughs> Did it have a nickname? I'll call it its nickname the whole time. I his papa. I we, see he ate his papa already. <laughs> I, I asked, was his mama good to him? <laughs> He, no. <laughs> he always had to nurse Fat guy that cares about sourcing his food. Uh, hey, uh, hey, you're listening live from the path. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, if you only catch the audio, uh, the, the, none of what we're laughing at is going to make sense to you. Uh, we're looking at the uh, uh, at the opening of the show, the opening credits video uh, visual of the show. And we're talking earlier. So at it's, this is, um, we're, we're talking about setting up a uh, kind of a live event, which we haven't done for quite a long time. Uh, called uh, how to uh, how to run a radio show for ten years uh, and not succeed <laughs> by, <laughs> by life from the path because yeah. I, I believe that our first show was the first or second week of March uh, ten years ago um, so in two thousand and nine and so I believe we have reached that uh, kind of ten year anniversary isn't that crazy yeah yeah wow I mean we got nothing to show for no <laughs> literally nothing we buy our own shirts it's not like there <laughs> it's not like there's events that put our logos on things like we literally put our own logo on a shirt and then yeah. we pay for it. Through a third party. Here's what we got. Here's so here here's here's where we're at. Here's what our success is. Uh, the thrift store priest is now here. Okay. Yep. yep. Absolutely. We uh, now we got a million hits on the YouTube. Uh, so we did. We do have a million that, hits on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. A that's thousand like a million. Thousand subscriber. Yeah, that's a, mil- a million times. Someone took a look and said, "Well, eight hundred thousand times." Someone said, "I want to watch caps." For that's sale. what I was just about to say. You and I both know that three quarters of that plus is caps for sale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our, the legitimate golden nugget. Why? Why <laughs> don't on. we republish that? I'm going to tell you right now. It's it's that is straight up proof that the attractional model of Christianity does not work. Nope. Right, because what you think is is we'll get them in the door with caps for sale, and then they'll click on some of our other Jesus stuff. That's that don't happen. happen. <laughs> yeah, That's not, not what happen at all. They That's watch caps for sale. They leave a profanity laced comment about how crappy it is, and then they move on. Yeah. Yep. Sounds about right. Uh, all right, so yeah, that's what we have. I tell you what, maybe we'll put this thing together because that's what people who are unsuccessful do. We continue to invest, <laughs> and we <laughs> say, you know what? Ceremony. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Wait, what? What did I just agree to? An award ceremony. That is a good idea. That's a phenomenal idea. Yeah. Hey, to be fair, we're the only ones getting awards. Isn't we're that the only guys the on the show. Do they get together and have give pat that's each other right. on the back and yeah, say, that's true. "Man, this is hey, would you sing yes. for me?" <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, we'll let Booba go extra windy on his acceptance speech. <laughs> oh man! Oh, you know I will too. I, you know it took me so much to get here. You know I uh, I took a two year sabbatical. Really, <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't even get a reward. Dan, that's because Dan's <laughs> buying for the man who who makes it so we have to broadcast in color. Award. <laughs> all right. Um, here's what we got going on the show today. Mike gets best scorekeeper of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, here's what's going on the show today. So uh, I, I did. I, I ran into a couple articles. <laughs> oh no. Uh, what? Uh, hey, are so, they lofty, Ben? So no, 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 not lofty. Um, where did they go? Doggone it! My life is. I think they ran away. My life is the garbage. Hey, did you know, Mike? We were talking before before the show started about uh, the Bible Project. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so uh, I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about like I would say big significant movements in my relationship with Jesus are generally have generally been tied um to interacting with teachers who um with with some way or another with 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 teaching related to um reverence to scripture uh and, and the deepness thereof like being able to take uh to to explain or teach the bible in such a way um that it that it is impactful and it is is deeper uh, and that I can understand it more 
Um, and so th- there were there were there were tranches of this, and the last one um, is tied to um, specifically Tim Mackey with the Bible Project. And so if you've not heard of the Bible Project, um, it, it's it's just a, it's a company a group that came together and said, look, we just want to start, um, we want to help people understand the Bible. It's kind of a combination of like a Bible nerd. Uh, and a guy who who started a company making how-to videos, mm. um, and so those guys came together and they said, look, and, and they wanted to start kind of explaining the Bible, um, and like they're, it, it's extremely well done. Um, like the theology is is really good, um, and it, it's just like it's all super interesting. And so it does a great job of telling the entire uh, story arc of the Bible, right? Like if you were to read all of Ezekiel, you know, like uh, the lay dude like myself. Gets lost in there, like with some of the language and stuff, and then like, why are people? Why are people even upset right now? I just don't understand. Yeah, and it's really good about giving the Bible as God's story from beginning from beginning to Revelation, you know, and 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 showing where what, what the story arc is of where where God's heart is in it, and 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 His relationship with His people and stuff. And they really do a fantastic job of looking the Bible at as a whole, opposed to you know, it's, it's, you know, verse picking. Or even chapter picking, they're just they're nailing the whole thing as a, as a story, and it's it's always very very well done. Yeah. So anyway, I bring that up though um, because we were talking. So that Tim Mackey also created a podcast called uh, My Strange Bible, where he was a, he was a pastor uh, at a church and um, had kind of his, his uh, old sermons and things that he'd been putting through on a podcast. He just finished up, like he's he's got everything in the backlog published. Um, I would rec- uh, highly recommend going through that. Um, there are a few of those that I've. Uh, the one on Jonah is just fantastic. Yeah. Um. And so I would recommend starting with that one. Read just just listen to like the 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 whole set of Jonah. Um. And if you don't dig that, you won't dig the rest of it. But if you dig on that, you'll you'll dig on the rest. Anyway, the the reason I brought that up though is um I was interested to find out the reason they're in the place that they're in is they started making these videos and they basically said look we'll make more videos as um if the if the last video pays for the next one that's what, how they were going to do it and so if it doesn't pay for the next one we won't do a next one. And so they did a few, and it started, like, um, it, it was really good, and they got a call from Francis Chan. And Francis Chan says, look, um, I, I'm setting up this network of house churches, and I, I'm trying to figure out how do you help people who have not gone to seminary um, teach the Bible and, and, and have, make sure they get it right. Um, and what are some good ways to make sure people are having right conversations and understand right ways of reading and things like that? And he thought these, these videos were doing a really good job, and he said, um, you, you do the whole Bible. And they're like, you know, we're kind of working on it, but it's going to take it's going to yeah. take like ten Whoa, years. Whoa, Chan! <laughs> and so, uh, and they kind of explained the principle and said, look, we'll 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 you know we'll do a next one when the previous video helps us pay for it. He said, um, basically, you have our support. Money is not going to be whatever you use, you need made up for the next video. You got it. Basically, in perpetuity. <laughs> um, and so it only took. They started kind of cranking them out, and now they're up to like uh, like thirty full time employees. They said after only like a year, I think it was, that they um, became fully um, established, and then that, now they're not, uh, they don't require any, any outside assistance like that anymore. But um, like it was basically, the big, the big leap was they were doing a good job, and a guy like Francis Chan jumped in and said, look, I think this is really valuable. I'll make sure the, we'll make sure the funds are there uh, if you can keep cranking out Can you imagine that phone call? Yeah, that would have been awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's Francis Chan. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you hang up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Francis. Francis. Yeah, Francis. You can give us a call on our uh, on our complaint line yeah. at any point in time that you'd like to. Yeah. Why don't you go hang out with your friend Benny Hinn? Click. Yeah, you can hear Francis Chan smiling through the phone. <laughs> you know, he's just he's just a happy dude. That would have been so awesome. I, I, here's the thing: both those dudes, solid. You know, just yeah. just solid. I, I I couldn't I couldn't like them anymore. So, um, yeah. If you haven't checked out anything from the Bible Project. Um, before I, I mean, it, it's fantastic for children. It's fantastic for me. I still love them. I think they do just the greatest job. They have some topical stuff on there, um, like understanding Messiah and 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 stuff like that. And they just they just do a really really good job. Uh, all right. So anyway, uh, stuff we got going on today. Uh, hey, there was a, there was an article about uh, pastor parking uh, is is going to be one of the ways to get church into paying taxes. Did you read that, Dan? The pastor parking at hospitals. I nope. heard something about that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so this was from uh, Christianity Today. It says, A new provision in the corporate tax code has some churches and other tax-exempt nonprofits wondering if they'll really be on the hook for paying a parking tax this year. 2018 was the first year nonprofits were subject to a tax of 21% on employee benefits like parking and transportation stipends under tax reforms passed by the GOP-controlled Congress the year before. The new tax is expected to cost nonprofits $1.7 billion over the next 10 years. That's not really too much, to be honest. I mean, they they already sneak in ways like we 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 pay a property tax, although we're tax exempt, because we get rain on our property and the rain goes in this 
a rain tax. Because uh, oh. you're using the, the sewers. Yeah. Right. So there's a tax for owning the property that isn't just exactly, hey, we, it's the same property tax they assess everybody else. Right, right. Property I use that, but they just found ways. That, well, because they don't charge residential the rain tax. Uh, right. It, they can't get the churches. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, tricky. Tricky. Uh, so anyway, experts suggest that many churches do not meet the parking tax requirements as described in an interim guidance released by the IRS in December, but evangelical groups have still rallied in opposition. Yeah, that's the way to pull together for the right cause, boys. <laughs> <laughs> as, recently as, as recently as last month, Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission continued to lobby Congress to repeal what its president, Russell Moore, called a deeply un-American tax on churches. I hate what we've become. There has been a great deal of rhetoric, but no results. We now find ourselves weeks away from the tax deadline, while many elected officials seem to hope this issue will get lost in the circus of the daily news cycle. Well, it has. <laughs> I suppose until now. The Evangelical Council for... I don't care about all this. So the question, I suppose, is... Uh, uh, what, what's what's the broad stance, Dan? So, like, this has been floating around for a while. I mean, like, ever since uh, people got a got a hair up to say, "Hey, we we shouldn't be uh, uh, letting churches go tax exempt." Yeah, yeah, and I, I'll be I'll be honest. I don't really get the full grasp. I don't grasp the full concept of it. I, I, the first time I heard the reason churches aren't paying taxes, why they are tax exempt, in the Truth Project. There's a there's a little peek there, and I need to hear that again because I was. Like, it's really pretty philosophical it's not like don't, don't hurt the churches it's because well this is god's property well, well you to tax god basically the concept behind it I, I need to hear that again first time i had heard that and we've forgotten and we've forgotten it as a, we just I, i've forgotten it. like you know, i've been doing this for hundred years. yeah and, and uh, no no i knew i no idea that was a situation about our american history why we don't tax so, so yeah, not very good resource. Other than that, I know where I want to go. Hear that? Yeah. So I wonder. So I. So if that's the case, uh, I, I suppose what the, the the prime question is: is that is that still true? Is that still where we're at as a country? Well, it was kind of a thing that we're beyond the country. The church is beyond the country. So it's not even like we don't care if you believe that or not. It's. Just, I, I'm like again. Yeah, I'm just bringing this. It's been years since I've even heard it, and, but I remember. I mean, isn't wouldn't that, that that's fallible? I suppose to the extent that everything God's exactly, but but this is like holy set apart, saying purpose of God, opposed to road. Or, I, f- I feel like the New Testament kind of blows that up a bit. <laughs> In which case, I I don't know if there's a ground to stand on. I mean, if you want to fight this as an American, I get it. If you're like, hey, this is the, I, I mean, if you want to say, hey, this is not what our country stands for, bobbity bobbity, fine. As a Christian, I think you should just let it go. Either pay the tax or park farther away or something. I mean, I mean, really. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I'm not specifically asking, I suppose, about the uh, about the parking thing, because um, that's only th- this only runs into a problem with the church if you like give a special spot for the pastor, like if like if you an employee. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, like um, I mean, the place is is is. is Empty during the day. I mean, does that count as a benefit? You get to soak up the air conditioning. I mean, what what do they count as a as a benefit? Uh, I mean, I suppose there's nothing wrong with having a yeah. five thousand square foot place and one guy works there. Uh, yeah. So the, it's specifically, this was uh, the nonprofits were subject to tax of twenty percent on employee benefits like parking and transportation stipends. Oh, do some churches pay for the pastor's car? There's a mileage allowance. Oh, through the tax code, car you mean? Allowance. I mean, but that's true for anybody that has a job. Has a, uh, yeah, right. That, that's uh, that's related to um, just being a private contractor, really. yeah, like an independent contract, which is essentially what the pastor is acting like. <laughs> huh? Interesting. Anyway, uh, I well, so I'm in a position to not worry about this, I guess. Um, I, I wouldn't. So I, I would. Here's what I would say: is I, I find this to be inevitable. I think churches. I think churches paying taxes is, seems inevitable. I don't know if it's ten years, but I, it's certainly thirty. Uh, and I would, I would, I would say um, you can fight this all you want, but like um, two things are going to going to degrade it. One is you have um, a, a, in order for the ch- for the government to stay out of the church's business, um, I think they're going to have to to um, start uh, allowing themselves to be treated independently. And to the extent that there's an appearance that the government is doing a church a favor, um, one way or another, then I think you're going to have a hard time. Uh, Keeping them out of your 
Like once you have, it, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as the marriage discussion, right? When you're when you're trying to define a church, if the if there's an institution that has a definition of what marriage is, and now you're up against a federal definition of what that is, um, w- one of the ways out of it is to is to basically say, look, um, we're stepping out of the conversation. I mean, would you take that? Would you take that trade as a church? Would you say, look, uh, whatever, we'll pay your taxes. Stay out. Stay out of this business. You can't force us to do nothing. Deal. Like if they offered that as a solution and say, look, if you don't you don't want us to force like federal guidelines on on marriage on you then pay taxes it gets uh yeah i don't think they'll do that because they'll do it on any business they'll treat it like a business but like it gets rid of all the johnson amendment stuff like the stuff about uh, politics and stuff like that that's why churches now that we've had this conversation before is like i i don't know that many churches are actually adhering to whatever restrictions they believe exist about not talking things or having political candidates there but like any business can have any political candidate show up and do it all. Like every politicians do it all the time. They show up and they get talks from a better O'Rourke and the president. And so, like, um, if you're treated it like a normal business, then there's no reason to have to make an example for the church. So here's what I just I see that direction happening where you're going to have to make a choice to say um, what, what the, the common argument will be. The church is getting a special consideration. And so that we have a, a, a closer foothold on certain things within the church than we do on, say, a private business, which is true. That Johnson Amendment stuff doesn't apply to anybody else, right? It's happening to churches because of those, those special types of things. The second thing that's going to happen is the duplicit nature of belief systems within America as they start to become more and more disparate, as certain things start to say, well, I'm a church, I'm a, I'm a religious organization, um, then you're going to have such a wide variety. Uh, and people are, are likely to do this intentionally to try to exploit the tax code so that it gets re-rendered specifically to keep out because the, the, the government's not going to want to get, get in the business of saying this is a legit religion versus this is not a le- legit religion. Um, and um, even most of your Americans are not going to want to get into that fight because it's going to be a very difficult one to have. And so they're going to call the thing off. And so like, hmm. I, like I said, I don't think it's 10 years, but it, I, it might be 30 that I think ultimately you're going to lose that. Um, and it, it's, it might be nice to reach back. Because I think now that, Dan, Dan, you've said that, I've heard that before. I've heard someone make that argument before uh, very passionately. And it might even be, and it may very well be accurate. Um, it has no bearing on where we're at today and what the political climate is or what people's tastes are for belief in that uh, and the interaction between church and state. And so um, I, I think that's inevitable. And the only reason I say that is like, uh, I mean, Christianity has certainly faced worse things. And so put it in your, in your 20-year plan. You know, we expect that. Uh, as we start to pay off things or we start to do X, Y, Z in our ministry, we think our costs are going to grow up incrementally by whatever the tax rate is, call it 5%, 10%, and just, and just plan for it and just know that it's there. And then if it doesn't show up for 50 years, great, you got a good kitty to go do something with. It's the year of Jubilee. Turn yeah. it over. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is, there, is there a distinct difference in the way that the, the, way the tax code sees like a 4013C corporation versus a church? No. I think, no, they're, um, in, this, in this instance, it's just it's nonprofits in general. Okay, gotcha. Uh, it says, a simple way for many churches to avoid the tax might be to remove any reserved parking signs for church employees, such as the pastor. Since the calculation considers how many parking spaces are reserved for employees versus the general public. Take down the signs. The R said they won't be subject to the tax provision that went into effect on January 1, 2018. Pretty clear, Dan. <laughs> All right, we're good. Now, hey, now you're going to start seeing a reduction in the people that are willing to be called first lady. Uh, yeah. Because now you're playing for two parking spaces. Now, we have some handicap spaces. I suppose we should be taxing them. Uh, I mean, not unless they work here. It's specifically to do with whether you're employed. What if you just painted a guy's face into space? Doesn't necessarily mean other people can't park there. Can I call it the Boova space without it being explicitly for Boova? Is that the question? Yeah. Can you just say you know who? Yeah. Yeah. Or put a sign that says maybe Dan will park here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean Dan will park sure here. It would be a nice spot for Dan. Maybe Dan will be here. <laughs> It'd be a great spot. Interesting. <laughs> All right, anyway, that one's gone. That's weird. I, I, I got to be honest, that never crossed my mind. What do you mean? Just the whole... The, the taxes the, in general? Yeah. Yeah, I have put zero thought into it. I apologize. I'm not really prepared for that discussion. Yeah, I haven't put a lot. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't... Like I said, I, I wouldn't put anything into it. It's not going to happen. It's probably a parking spot thing, but like, uh, I don't know a lot of places are still doing that. It's denominational, really. People reserving parking spaces yeah, for folk. Yeah. I like that. Maybe Dan will park here. Four hours of thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> hours of money. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. There was, there was another article that says um, when it comes to making impact, the more popular something is, the less likely you are to make a difference in it. I mean, that seems obvious, doesn't it? 
like if it's people really dig on it, it'll be harder to change their mind. Or, more popular meaning when there's more people that believe in it, there's safety in the crowd. And so the, 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 the main po- point of the article is to say, look, if you want to impact something, you should start with the fringes. Yeah. I mean, you, ever, you, you remember when people try to, people wore the hammer pants? And like, once they got them, they're like, I love these pants. And the rest of the world's like, man, those pants are ridiculous. I just, I don't see it. And you just can't talk them out of it. They got to fade out on their own. Ben's right. Mike, Mike, so when you heard that article from Ben, first, first thing that came to your mind <laughs> hammer, hammer pants. Was, the, was the concept of the following of the hammer pants. Yeah. That is, Isn't that, that wild? Is, that is numero uno. <laughs> Yeah. First I thing. I can't control how things fire Came into your brain. <laughs> yeah, I relate to when more things. When things are more popular, it's very difficult to deal with them, especially dealing with the fringes of the hammer pants population. See, I went, I went straight to ice cream. I'm thinking that means, like, that's probably what you don't want to start with if you're going to go on a crusade against something. Everybody already likes it. I, that- thought, I thought about Fortnite, that game. Mm. Like, that's the big popular thing right now. Ben, ben, did you think about anything weird? When you were reading that article, did any kind of weird... Either food, no, mine, no, mine was people. But I had already scanned the article. Mine thought like uh, you didn't think about hammer pants when you read no, the article. No, no, I, I, I really, I thought. Okay, I thought about carnies. <laughs> wait, wait, did you say carnies? Sir, circus folk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, fellas, I'm going to tell you point blank why we are about to do the how to do a radio show for ten years and not really move anything on it because our four thought processes were carnies. Hammer pants, <laughs> ice cream, and some video game. We can make a real difference in this world. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that's the point of the article. Hold <laughs> on. <laughs> let's, get, let's get on this. Oh, man, let's, uh, let's take care of this hammer pants. No one, is, no one has mem- never made a bigger impact on the world than, than Jesus. You don't even need to be a Christian to see the obvious truth in that statement. Because of this, I'm convinced that it's in the DNA of Jesus' followers to want to make a difference too. It's also in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Wanting to make a difference is embedded in the heart of every disciple. But how do we do that? With so many competing voices, so many areas of need, so many ways to approach this, how do we clear away the clutter and find an area of need where we can truly make a difference? We need to go narrow, not wide. To the edges, not the center. Work the fringes, not the mainstream. If everything you love is in the mainstream, normal pants, of the culture around you, it's very unlikely that you'll have much impact upon it. We have enough self-esteem books. We're overwhelmed with church growth ideas. We don't need any more personality tests. We need something else, and you might be the one to help us find it. Instead of trying to get in on the action of what's hot right now, find something you love that's on the fringes. Something important that no one else or very few are paying much attention to, then shine a big, bright light on it. This is where impact comes from. It's not that you can't like things that a lot of other people like. If you're an MCU movie fan, that's fine. Keep liking it, but don't let that define you, Uva. What's MCU? Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. Nerd. Even hey, with nerd. Christianity. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wow, I thought that might have been more common knowledge, fellas. Hey, Apparently, I'm just the nerd sitting over here. And, like the Marvel. I mean, I knew enough to point it at Booba. I'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Even within Christianity, if the believers around you all love one style of music or one type of church service, feel free to enjoy it and be blessed by it. But look to the fringes for impact. Find a forgotten corner of need, of worship, of leadership, or of ministry, and fall in love with the people in it. Then learn as much as you can about them, work as hard as possible with them, make them the focus of your prayer life going to have a huge impact if you focus on a forgotten but important corner of ministry rather than being just one more voice speaking from the mainstream to the mainstream. But here's the key. You can't do it just to take advantage of an overlooked market segment. It has to be something that you truly have passion for, something you love, people who matter to you, something that breaks your heart. So, so if, if they're saying we should like start a polka worship if we like really love polka and we have a heart for the people. Please don't invite me to if that. If you have a heart for polka people. I mean... I got to be honest. I was super excited about this thing where we're like, look, just just talk about what Jesus talked about. And then that's it. The rest of the God, is, he's on the rest. He will handle this. And then dressing up as the poker man and meeting other poker people and being like, I'll hit you with the Jesus information. Maybe it'll matter to you because you ain't got nothing else going. Well, the poker people, they're singing so, about beer and stuff. They need Jesus. I mean, so is this talking about like developing ministries? Yeah, I mean, or is this your is this is this ministering as a, as a Christ follower to your circle of influence? I think they're trying to tell the... you to fish in a shallow pond without saying it. You know what I'm saying? They're like, ain't no one else fishing. I was going to say, like, and there's a ton it, of fish in what, there. When it comes to 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 develop, well, I think when it comes to to speaking to people about Jesus and and you know spreading the word and things like that, that's 
I don't think you need to find some niche market for it. I think it's just to, talking in your circles of influence. Like the people that you're around, you know, your family first and foremost. Then outside of that, where do you work? Where do you hang out at? Where are you at? You know, what stores do you frequent where you actually have legitimate relationships? That's where you can speak as, as, as an authority figure to people because they have a personal relationship with you. Not like I have to go and start a Dungeons and Dragons group on Saturday nights and hope that they're not worshiping the devil. We can talk about Jesus. <laughs> that the rest of them are out on dates or something. That's not even a, that's not hey, even a worry hey, don't with judge the Dungeons us. and Dragons Don't crew. judge us. I have passion there. No, uh, Kyle will be here. No yeah, worries. I know, I know Kyle's going to show up. He, he, Kyle, you don't have a date. Don't lie to me. Get here. Uh, no, I think, I think you work within your circles of influence. Just so, what's around you. So I remember that. I mean, we had that conversation once in a... Um, like in a church, in a church, uh, it wasn't staff meeting, like an elder meeting or something. And, and someone had asked, like, who's, who's our market? And like, I couldn't get past that, that very thought. I'm like, I mean, everybody, right? What I mean, yeah. who, who's not? Who doesn't <laughs> need to hear the word of Jesus today? Who's our market? <laughs> and I like, struggle with that, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, so, but, but here's there's also there's a reality of what you, uh, I, I, I think it's answering two questions, two different questions, Buva. Uh, so, like, a, a church can generally be a thing like it can't be 50 things like it just can't like you're only only putting on one one service for example right for example i like maybe you're doing a traditional and contemporary but like that's a branch out into two things generally defined by music style and what kind of robe you're gonna but like uh if you're talking like niche groups of people I, it's not a corporate thing to solve um i would say though Buba, back to your point it is very much an individual thing to solve and maybe the encouragement that i take from this is that um is to not overlook it when you're most likely to engage in what feels like the mass. Uh, here, I'll give you an example. As this, and it is a corporate example, but it just occurred to me. You know, I mean, of how many churches do uh, Easter egg hunts? I mean, a ton. Everybody's like, wait, we're going to have this whiz-bang Easter egg hunt. Is it a good event? Sure. Does it bring the community in? Fantastic. Get it, maybe meet some people uh, and get them to come here a little bit more of Jesus because they made a good relationship? Fight. Um, but like... Yeah, and if, if everybody's doing an Easter egg hunt, like the, uh, certain certain groups of people are going to come to that Easter egg hunt, and you're just going to trade the groups around. And you might yeah. decide that this X church or Y church has the coolest Easter egg hunt. I, I, I mean, I'm not sure on the impact of that. Like some of that that'll hang, but like that's not those aren't fringe groups of people. Um, and so the question is, is that like are there other groups, broader groups of folks that you may interact with? Now this is back to the personal level. Like I think everybody's got them. I think everybody has some connection or other to something that is a little, little niche. Um, and the question is, uh, are you, have you unintentionally written some of that stuff off? Because I agree, you're, it's your circle of influence. Um, and one, one of the things that we risk is trying to use our circle of influence to dump people all into the same bucket when, the, when they are a right. little bit more unique. And so, like, let's use the, the varied nature of your circle of influence um, to, its, to its most varied uh, outcome. It's okay that it's varied like that. It's okay that, like, hey, you know what? Not everybody's instant reaction is, hey, can you come into this kind of homogenous group? Um, because there's some people that just, like, it's just not their vibe, and it's going to take them a while to feel like it is. And then, and then, then the fam um, family has a connotation or, or feels like a homogenous vibe, even if people are real varied. But, like, if you just say, hey, everybody in my circle that I have influence in, my, my gig is to try to get you to come to this um, hom homogeneous church service, like, it's not going to work, actually. Like, there's going to be groups of people who are just not going to want to be in on that until it feels like friendship, until it feels like family. And so I think if there is a value here to say, um, don't, don't write it off. Like, for what may be fringe in your life, within your circle of influence, uh, I think it's okay just to embrace it for that and call that for what it is. And, and recognize that, like, a lot of times there's, there's less noise in those areas. There's, well, there's, no one, there, there's, there's not as many people doing Easter egg hunts. I mean, who... who who thinks that's not the case? Who goes, my reggae buddy's never going to hear me on this thing? Uh, it's not I think it's unintentional. I, I think it's largely unintentional. Well, that's dumb. Right, but it is still We had to write a whole article about it? Just shut it down. Stop <laughs> acting that way. <laughs> Mike, do you have reggae buddies? I love the newspaper. I like to just write one-sentence stories. This needs to quit. Love, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to start a blog post, Booba. Would you feel like you'd subscribe to that if I did? I would 100% subscribe to that. You're not right. You would. <laughs> but I'm going back to my question. Do you have reggae buddies? Uh, no. Well, oh. yeah, no. No. Okay. No. I just, I, I would be interested in meeting those fellows. Those I got some friends of mine that really like Def Leppard, and I don't understand a lick of that. 
I mean, they're just He's, terrible. <laughs> they're just they're just not good. Just a, like, do they hang out together, or do you just coincidentally have multiple friends no, I, so who enjoy I, Def Leppard? I tell you what, I've had to ride in a, like some real long car trips with some fellows from work here lately, and the radio is a real problem. Like, it's just it's it's just a real problem. Like, I get on a long car trip, I will fire up a bunch of my podcasts, and I'll listen to Tim Mackey for a couple, three, four hours or whatever, you know, and on a drive. And these fellows, I mean, they're good dudes, but like, we just can't. We ended up settling on the Garth Brooks satellite radio channel that's the only thing everybody can agree on it's a weird thing to come to in the middle right i mean there's between tim mackey and def leppard right in the middle garth brooks i mean we tried that that liquid metal station with the heavy rocking and (laughs) i mean people can only tolerate that for a couple few songs and then you go to the deep tracks of of uh the grateful dead and you're like man the grateful dead stink these songs are awful no wonder they're deep tracks they're just bad so i mean it's just i mean a group of, of more than say three guys i think it's tough to find on the radio station Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks, thanks, Mike. <laughs> Can you put that on that uh, that new uh, new podcast of yours or that uh, publication where it's just one sentence? I, I, here's the thing: Can that be two, week one? We're two articles in of it, and just nothing's grabbing my attention. I'm just I'm floating all over the place. I can't think of anything of what you're saying. It's all good. I'm still stuck on hammer pants. So you do uh, you. Uh, so I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's possible that your attention is distracted, uh, given that mistake that happened late last week. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just remember the text that you're like, I can't believe this dude, uh, he keeps calling me Pope. I said, I said, I don't know what that is. Is that some sort of weird name? But see, here's the deal. Is I had put the wrong inflection on it because it was in a text. Oh. Uh, it's Pope. You had meant Pope. But I kept telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know why they're calling him Pope. It don't make any sense. <laughs> it makes me feel all awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so you, you were saying that there was some guy that, that uh, mistook you for. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And, and, and he was insistent upon that I give him some kind of papal advice. Uh, otherwise, he wasn't going to leave. And so I thought about it for a minute. And I realized that as I was talking to the man, that um, it struck me on how often Jesus goes off and prays by himself. I mean, for, for long, long, ridiculous stretches of time. Right to the point where even in, in, in there's one of my favorite verses that I was reading this week. Is, there's one, it was in Mark 1, and uh, Jesus had, had healed a leper. And then the next morning he gets up and he, he's gone. He just leaves. He don't tell nobody. He's out there in a the mountain praying or whatever. Nobody can find him. And everybody comes out and Peter finally gets him. He's like, hey, man, everybody's looking for you. And he goes, we should go to the next town. I got some other stuff going. <laughs> and doesn't even address the fact that he left and didn't tell nobody or that they had a search party out for him. He completely ignores it and moves on. And then later, in, in, uh, it was in Luke, and I can't remember what chapter of Luke it was, but it says he was in somebody's house and it says, and Jesus was praying by himself and the disciples were with him. So even when the disciples were with him, he's out there praying by himself. <laughs> he, just, he just could not give any more of a rats of what's going on. He's, he's, he's talking. And so it got me to thinking, uh, like I, I felt like I wasn't looking at prayer right. Like I'm, just, I'm, I'm missing this for some reason. I have no pull inside of me that wants to sit down and talk to Yahweh for like an, even an hour. I'm like, I just feel like it's draining me. You know, I mean, what are we going to talk about for no hour? You know, I, I feel like I must really struggle with this. And so I was, I was studying on it, and I was, I was praying on it this week. And, uh, boy, I, I flat out came to the fact that I think, I, of course, I think Jesus has got the right idea. And I, and I don't know how many people actually do this and do it well. But, like, um, if you, I've tried to pray by myself, like, even when the house was empty, that, like, all the people were gone. And I still, I, I, I still cannot keep my mind from wandering. You know, like, I, I can still hear the, that the window's open. And then I'm like, Lord, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe I should shut the window. What if the heat turned on? That would be stupid. I should probably get up and shut the window. You know, or you hear the dog moving around. You're like, what the dog took the toilet paper? I'm sure of it. That dog is eating the toilet paper right now. And so even with no people in the house, everything that I'm responsible for is within 20 feet of me, right? And I just cannot seem to get my mind to stop worrying about or thinking about the things around me. And, 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 and the more I thought about that, the more I thought, man, maybe Jesus got this thing nailed. You know, and I'm not a big, like, sabbatical in nature guy. You know, go out and just hang out in God's creation. Let it envelop you. And, and I thought, I'm just thinking about it all wrong. Everything out there is God's problem. All that is his responsibility. None of it's mine. I don't control the wind. I don't control the clouds. I don't control the birds or the animals or anybody out here. None of this is any of my problem, right? So if I'm praying out by myself in a, at, a, at a mountain or at a park or somewhere out in the middle of a field and one deer runs into another and another one falls down, I'm like, I ain't responsible for these deer. I can go back to praying. It's none of my business, you know? And I thought, I just feel like we like to set prayer up as this, as this really 
heavy thing because it's powerful, right? Prayer has a lot of power in it. And because of that, I think a lot of complication gets attached to it. And it's nothing more than just, it's a spiritual conversation. You can't meet God at the quick trip. You can't say, Yahweh, I'll meet you at the Burger King. I got some things to discuss. You can't because he's spiritual. He's not physical, right? And so prayer is nothing more than a spiritual communication between a man or a woman and Yahweh. And that's it. And it's that simple, right? And so like, I, I was thinking like prime examples. If I'm standing in the middle of a crowded room trying to talk to my wife and we're not hearing each other, we walk out to the balcony. <laughs> we go somewhere else and have the conversation. We don't stand there and go, oh, I guess we'll talk later. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> you know, like that's, There's no solution. That's dumb. That is dumb. So, so I, I think maybe overall I was, I was trying to encourage myself and, 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 and maybe encourage you if you struggle with the same thing, that like not more spiritual or more awesome to be out in the, in the nature. Right? You don't have to have the sunset coming up and, and have clever words from Isaiah roll into your head. That's, that's not what it is. It's, I, I'm having a hard time talking to God here. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Or sometimes you pull up to pray and you're like, I can't think of anything to say. Well, then just shut up. <laughs> just let Yahweh do the talking. Just be quiet. And you're like, I feel like i got to break the silence with something. No, you don't. But if you do, I mean, crank out the Lord's Prayer if you want. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, memorize it and use it. When you're just, you're empty, you know, and I'm, I, I will walk in and say, hey, woman, and that's it. And that's literally all I got to say. I could have skipped it. I could have not said anything to her because I got no follow-up. If she goes, hey, and then that's it, you know, but I didn't stop me from talking to her in the first place. Just acknowledge I was there. And so I think overall what I was getting at in my Pope-style advice to this guy that called me to Pope was, was whatever it takes for you to talk to Yahweh, do that. Do that. Right? If you feel like you got a drone on for, if you got five hours worth of content, five hours it is. If you got five minutes worth of content, five minutes it is. None is holy. None is more holy than the other. If you look at Jesus' example, he does both. He goes out and prays by himself uh, for, for very short stretches of time. Remember when the disciples had a demon they couldn't get rid of? And Jesus says, okay, I got this. And then he's like, these problems can only be solved through prayer. He wasn't there but like two minutes. As far as you're reading the story, he wasn't there very long. So he'll crank a prayer right out. Hey, Father, blah, blah, blah. Boom. Moving on. A couple of seconds here and there. Not a big deal, right? He's also gone for an entire night. It doesn't even mention, like, the next day he'll, like, and then he came back from the mountain of praying all night, and then they walked, like, 15 miles to the next town. And Jesus don't even care. <laughs> it, 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 he didn't find it draining, right? He's refreshed by it. He's moving on. And so, like, both are fine. Whatever it is the conversation that you need to have, I, maybe I'm just encouraging you to have it. If you feel like you have to say, look, I, I, if I don't set it up at 5.30 every morning and fence in time for this, it'll drift away on me. Okay, we'll do that then if you feel like that's necessary. But it's not more holy than the guy that just does it or does it for outside or does it in his car. A lot of people like to pray in the car. To be honest, I find that a bit distracting. I'm, 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 glad, <laughs> I'm glad that you have, you have found because there's more peace in your car. Not as many things are breaking at once. Right, like your house is your house takes a little bit up a little bit more real estate, your apartment, whatever. There's more things going on in there, but in your car, you know, I suppose it's, it's a little bit more peaceful. You can control the time, so I get that. But I still think maybe maybe we're all missing out on on Jesus's time with Yahweh, right? Like just by yourself out in nature, or as close as I mean, the prayer closet will work maybe if you find that helpful. But like just no distractions, and that doesn't mean like the quietest part of your house, because frankly, I just don't. I mean, you'll smell a weird stink in there. You'll be praying and go, man, something, something happened in the kitchen. Did I turn the stove off? And then you're gone. Then you're gone. Yeah. Go somewhere where, where, where the earthly responsibilities aren't, aren't around you anymore. And give yourself some time to, to hear, hear back, to, to, for you to talk and for Yahweh to talk back. People are like, I just feel like God doesn't speak to me. Well, the last time I checked, I could probably replay your last 10 prayers and you're like, and I like this, I like this, I thank you for this, I think this could change. I really wish you'd change this person because they're really starting to make me mad. Okay, love you, bye. And right, and God's, he's on the other side of the phone getting ready to, for a rebut, and you're gone. You're gone already, you're out, you're done, <laughs> you know. You didn't even give him a chance to respond. Um, not that I think you're going to hear some kind of crazy audible voice, but like, I mean, you give him a chance. Just spend some quiet time, give it a shot. I'm terrible at this. Uh, it's not coming from a place of piety. It's coming from a place where I think it would be helpful. And Jesus' example paints not. He prays more by himself than the Bible records him praying with other people. He prays for other people, um, but it, it's recorded way more his prayers are, are on his own. So I, obviously I think that is uh, helpful. Get off my lawn. Okay. I think that one of the biggest deals that 
that I run into is I have that same kind of problem with with the the paying attention to my prayers and things like that and and I I always run through and I make it so corporate because my list is uh here are my thankful fors and here's my needs and that's my prayer time with God. And the only reason I do it that way is because I feel more stuck up if I start with my needs <laughs> right. than if I start with, hey, God, uh, here's what I'm thankful for. And, and like the times that are actually like devoted to my prayer and devoted to spending time with God or when I'm being conversational and when it's legitimately like, God, I, I know this seems foolish because you know everything, but let me tell you about my day. Like, let me just, let me just replay what happened with, you know, let me tell you what I'm happy about right now. Let me tell you what I'm sad about right now. You know, it's it was it's it's this weird moment. And I've only done this. I've probably had good legitimate prayer less than a dozen times in my life. And and the best times are when I'm just like, "Hey, pops, let's just let's let's have a talk. Let's sit down because I'm I'm hurting and I'm I'm in need, and I need to just sit down and chat with you." And it's when I take away from that, you know, the the thankful fors and the needs, and when I actually break it down into like, I'm getting a chance to talk to my my dad, like I'm getting the chance to talk to my father who who wants a conversation with me. Let's just have that. And it's way more meaningful and it's way more refreshing. By the time I'm done with it, I'm just like, wow, I feel better. Like I didn't need a, a, an answer from this, this weird voice in my head. And I didn't, you know, I didn't need these crazy signs where my Bible started flipping around like it was windy or something. Like I just, you know, it was nice to have you listen. It was nice to, to spend the time with you. My, one of my favorite songs is because I don't ever approach God this way is, uh, is by New World Sun. And it's called... Uh, um, what you want to do today, and that's the chorus. Is, is maybe this time I'll let I'll let you take the lead, and I won't try to drag you around by your sleeve. Because every time, <laughs> uh, what is it? Either way, the the whole point is like, so God, what do you want to do today, right? And like, when's the last time you approached prayer like that? Like, oh, hey, man, I'm up. Never. So what's happening? You know what? You got anything going? What do you, What do you think? You know? I mean, you show up with your list, your needs, your wants, your whatever, and your people around you. Half the time, I I don't even know how to pray for them, and, and so like. Because it, you know, it's even Jesus, right? Especially on on the Garden of uh, before he's arrested, you know, he's praying that this cup could pass from me, and says, "But not my will, but yours." And so, like, that's always stuck with me that I'm like, Lord, I really feel like uh, this person needs a change, a change or whatever. But I suppose if you think they're fine as they are, I suppose that's cool. <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure what to pray for here. You know what I'm saying? Like, should I should I wish justice upon him? Because I, I had, in fact, I was talking to, to my wife about this earlier this week. Is is um, the Psalms are mostly prayers from David, and sometimes you're like, "Boy, David, I feel like you're just asking for, you, you know, for for straight justice, right. you know, straight justice to be done." Stumble and like modern is. Christianity doesn't really hold that. We don't really hold much of justice, you know. We're like, uh, "Help me to forgive this person that hurt me. Help me to to find a better way to deal with them," you know. And and I look, I look not 400 pages back, and there's David's like, "Just smite him. I'm done." <laughs> I like see their eyeballs hanging out. Right, yeah. Trample them underneath your feet, Lord. I'm slightly disappointed you have not smited them yet. <laughs> to be honest, Lord, I feel like you should have handled this already. And so it's a weird dichotomy because the Psalms don't provide God's commentary on what David is saying, although God does reference to be David as a man after his own heart. And so you go, I mean, sometimes God is a God of justice. God claims he never said he wasn't, right? In, in fact, he's the definition of whatever justice is because he said so. And so he gets to be that. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes I look at the, the, the whitewashed way that I pray and, and miss out on maybe some of the David Hart and go, look, Lord, I, I want justice for this. That's, that's what I want. If, 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 if I'm okay having justice for this, then give me peace about that. Um, if I'm not and I need to find a more repentant angle to look at these folks, then give me that. But, I, you know, right now I'm, I'm on the David justice train and I'm I'm just gonna leave it there, and that's that's where I want to leave it. And you, I need you to help talk me out of it if that's what you want to do. Otherwise, <laughs> you know. And so it's it's just a more a more realistic conversation, right? Like we're missing out on the if you break prayer down to the simple definition is it's a spiritual communication between God and man. That's all it is. That that is literally all it is because you can't meet him physically or or at a coffee shop. So this is how we talk to him. And and you got to give them time to talk back, and you got to talk to them like like you mean it, like Jesus. I mean, even before handing out the Lord's prayer, he doubles out on some advice on you making a big deal of prayers. Why I have such a hard time with prayer circles, right? Like it seems almost that you're praying to the circle than to Yahweh. And actually, to be honest, that problem's on me because that's what it sounds like to me. That's right. not what everybody else is doing. I'm sure. I mean, most people. There's some, <laughs> you know, but but on the most part, we're praying together to a common to a common God that we all share, and like. 
and you're sitting there worried, like, why is this pause going on for so long? When's the guy who's going to be the ender? There's always the guy in the circle that you know he's going to be the ender. I wish he'd just fire it up, you know, <laughs> but it just it makes it super weird. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think if you took a more honest approach to your prayer life and just looked at God for who he is, for what he's asking of you, and that you approached it with some honesty and some ways to actually have that conversation not surrounded by your entire life, um, I feel like I would have a better uh, prayer life than I do. Ben. Uh, yeah. yeah You're no. the ender in this prayer circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, actually, um, that, I think that's been a, that's been a constant struggle uh, because the, to, for me to get that type of isolation requires me to, to take uh, uh, extreme measures, right? Like uh, getting up super early, staying up super late. Uh, and the truth is, is that like, I just am involved in enough things that like those um, easily flow into those uh, outliers. And so it's not um it's it's it requires good habit and intentional intentional stuff. I was talking with uh, with a, actually a couple couple guys over the last few weeks um about how uh it's very easy uh for your life just to kind of float along. Um like if you're doing a a, a relatively regular job, you have a family, x number of kids, all number of friends, um Whatever, like you could go, you could go six months and have not done anything intentional with your life. It has been carried along, and it doesn't mean it's been carried along poorly. If you set your life up well, uh, so that you have you know good influences around you, church family, and uh, and a job that does something that's uh, worthwhile, and you're trying to raise your kids and you're participating in your marriage, uh, it doesn't mean that that your six months were wasted or that they're wrong, but like it does mean that that. Um, you can six months can go by, and you may not have actually sat and said, "Look, I, I'm going to do this or that thing." It's just carried on, and in some ways, that's beneficial. It's beneficial to me, for example. It keeps me out of trouble uh, because of the commitments that I have to my wife and kids and my job and my church. Um, I don't have a lot of free time to do anything else to get myself in any type of uh, in problems. So, those are. It's not like they're bad fences, um, but it also means it makes me think back to this peripheral uh, targeting business. Is that like? Um, things will things will move as they move, and so um, where things could otherwise change for the better, you have to be intentional. And so, to the extent that you're not, it doesn't mean the things that you're doing are wrong, but it does mean that they they won't actually change for the better either. Um, and that's and 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 focused prayer, committed prayer, is something that needs to change for the better, and that's something that I have to do and be real, um, real, uh, yeah, I guess just intentional. I mean, and, and to be fair, like the, the, the thing that you said is like you'd have to set it up early in the mornings or late at nights or whatever is what Jesus did. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's like, he's gone. We got up early. And, and I actually thought about my example of uh, getting away from your responsibilities to go out to pray in the, in the nature or whatever. It makes it sound like Jesus bailed out of Martha's house early so he didn't have to make the bed. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> I got more important things to yeah, do. Yeah, I got to go. Someone else make this bed. <laughs> I like, you know, uh, you know what I really love about those stories uh, about Jesus is that like um, it's it's interesting where the Bible provides commentary on how the disciples react to certain sometimes where they don't and you're like really like is this normal behavior that's the problem is you start to get a good historical perspective and you recognize that some behavior is normal or has some sort of context to it and so then it starts asking you a bunch of questions where it's not clear where they see him just he's just gone and I'd be like what the heck man like, like did they say what the heck or yeah. like, well, he's gone. Oh, there he is up on the <laughs> yeah. up on that mountain there. <laughs> yeah, he's praying all night again. He's, you know, and, he and, shows back up refreshed after 12 hours of praying, and everyone else is just dying. <laughs> and, like, you have a number of examples uh, uh, where the disciples seem to be talking about something, and Jesus is, like, walking ahead of them. And, like, I, I, I just, you get the impression that it happened way more than the Bible documented. Like yeah. the time where he said, hey, more people are coming out. He's like, no, we're going to go to the next town. Yeah. And he's, like, 10 steps ahead, and they're like, hey, man, he's gonna keep doing this because this is weird <laughs> yeah there's more people coming what are we gonna tell those people they're just gonna be gone it's like well they're gonna be upset with the brand yeah they're gonna hate jesus because he just left town <laughs> yeah where they were or they were gonna they were gonna what are they gonna beat on him or something and he like slipped out <laughs> you know yeah, like, right. or he hid somewhere i mean it's just funny to think of jesus hiding behind a rock around and then moving on to the next rock like, like a scooby-doo cartoon <laughs> all right so given our previous our uh, recent conversation uh we're gonna take a quiz on prayer in the bible oh boy prayer in the bible uh, number one, God spoke to. Oh, hold on, camera's focused on Mike. Abimelech. 
Did you say Abimelech? Abimelech. Okay. Abimelech. Uh, God spoke to Abimelech and told him that Abraham would pay would pray for him and he would live. Uh, a. B. Prosper greatly in every way. C. Develop leprosy, which will stay in his family forever. Or D. Dip in the river seven times and be healed. Okay, so it's not D. Is it, is it prosper greatly in every way? Uh, I wasn't it live. This is this is over the Sarah business, right? Where he had he had captured Sarah uh, because they tried to lie, and Abraham said it was his sister. And uh, now I feel it's live. It's simple. Live. I think I think so. Yeah, okay. I'm leaning. I don't remember team. saying prosper greatly. In I'll, every I'll way. trust you guys because I was thinking leopard. That's pretty bold. Uh, two. Why did Isaac pray to the Lord for his wife Rebecca? Because she was barren, because she had leprosy, got that on the brain, because she had been bitten by a snake, because the king had chosen her to be his wife. Barren. It's got yeah. to be barren. Yeah. I don't remember. She wasn't bitten by a snake or chosen by the king or uh-huh. had leprosy. <laughs> well, barren then. Okay. Wait. What did the priest Eli think when he saw Hannah praying? He's thought, drunk. Yeah. Thought she was mad. Thought she was drunk. Thought she was holy. Thought she was having a seizure. <laughs> Think that woman? Holy. <laughs> Look at the holiness Look on at that. that prayer. That She's not distracted a bit. <laughs> Look at how holy she is. She got, got up early for something. She already made her bed. <laughs> uh, when Elisha prayed for his servant and the, uh, and the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, what did he see? One, the four horsemen of the apocalypse riding towards them. <laughs> Two, he saw men as trees walking. Three, a mighty army was descending on them. Four, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yeah, it has to be it's four. It's chariots of fire, right? What was the tree walking? That was when Jesus healed the, healed the blind man, yeah? Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, five, when Elisha had prayed for the child of the, uh, of the Shunammite woman, uh, what did he tell his servant to do? Uh, A, see to it that the flesh of the child became warm. B, walk to and fro in the room. C, count how many times the child sneezed. Four, call the Shunammite woman. Like it was called a shootamite woman. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm gonna need you to walk to and fro in here. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, 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 I know that y'all are gonna laugh at me like this, but for some reason, I'm thinking it's the sneeze thing. Count the sneezes. I really like. I don't know why, but like, I'm really thinking that's it. Yeah. Go ahead, hang that around Booba's neck. That, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I don't know why, but like, for some reason, I really think that's it. All nope. Right. Uh, on a You've firm just... test of Booba's intuition, yep. we're going with count how many times the child sneezed. We'll see how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You, you just bought yourself an albatross, friend. Uh, six. <laughs> what did Elisha pray for the uh, Arameans when they came down against him? One, that God would strike them dead. Two, God would strike them with blindness. Three, that God would show him a way out, even all, uh, even although there was no way. Or four, that God would hobble their horses. Been a while. This is who? Blindness. Elisha. And, uh, and Arameans. 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 I think it's the blindness. Yeah, I'm going blindness. Try going blindness? Okay. Uh, seven, what did God do in response as Hezekiah wept to God in prayer? Healed in him. Life. Killed him. Killed his enemies. Raised his child from the dead. What was it? Hezekiah? Hezekiah. Uh, healed him. Oh, healed him. Healed him. Killed his enemies. Raised his child from the dead. Yeah, I killed him. I, I, I killed, killed him for seven more years. I, I killed him. <laughs> uh, healed him. Okay, healed him. Eight. Healed my landlord. What did the Lord do when Job prayed for his friends? Laughed at him. One, sent his friends away. Two, brought more of his friends to comfort him. Three, restored his friends and gave them twice as much as they had before. Uh, D, four, restored the fortunes of Job and gave Job twice as much as he had before. Final. D. Yeah, it's a D. Yeah. The... Ten times? Was it ten times? That was twice. I thought it was seven. I'd have to read it again. <laughs> We're going with the last one. Nine. Who responded to Daniel's prayer of confession? I think it's a trick. <laughs> the Lord himself, the angel Michael, the angel Gabriel, the king Darius. Prayer of confession. Whose prayer? Daniel's. Daniel. Prayer yeah. of confession? Uh, Would that be the king? That was he prayed for the confession of the country. Is we're, that what, we're a is bunch that what of they mean? And every, That's sorry. what because the Darius was the one that was like crazy and then came back, right? No, no, that's Nebuchadnezzar. No, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Darius threw him in the lion's den. Yeah, I think it's a lion didn't Darius. Wait, uh, no. So who responded to the prayer of? Which I knew what they meant. 
Yeah, read that again. Who responded to Daniel's prayer of confession? confession. It was Michael Gabriel, God himself, or the king. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's Gabriel. Is that the one where he sent the... Wait, it's, it's, it's Daniel... Seven. When he sends the messenger, Daniel and he gets, and he gets held, nine. and where he gets held up, is that the deal? Yeah, is that yeah, the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For two weeks, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I just, I, it's the, the partial fast, the Daniel fast. It's the reference of prayer of confession that was that's, that's yeah. tying me up here. Okay, we'll go with the Angel Gabriel. Uh, Ten. Where was Jonah when he prayed to God? <laughs> in the belly. <laughs> on the wharf at Joppa, in the boat about to be thrown in the water, Long John on the road to Nineveh, in the belly of the fish. Belly of the fish. I mean, Longview, the road to Nineveh. Uh, yeah, I mean, he ran from the wharf at Joppa, specifically away from the Lord. In the boat, he refused to be, uh, in fact, the, the foreigners prayed to God. He did not. In the boat, about to be thrown in the water. Okay, here we go. Pretty bad. Oh, oh. <laughs> Down to failure. Oh, oh no. Question one. God spoke to Abimelech and, and told him that Abraham would pray for him and he would live. That answer is correct. Yes. Um, question two, why did Isaac pray to the Lord for his wife, Rebecca? We said because she was barren. That is correct. Yep. Question three, what did the priest Eli think when he saw Hannah praying? We said that she was uh, drunk. That answer is correct. Man, I feel great about this. Question four, when Elisha prayed for his servant and the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, what did he see? We said the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That is correct. You're darn right it is. Question five. When Elisha had prayed for the child of the Shunammite woman, what did he tell his servant to do? We said, count how many times the child sneezed. That is incorrect. The correct answer is call the Shunammite woman. Like an albatross. (laughs) You know, know, fellas, I feel like after years of doing this stuff, you should stop trusting me. I mean, here's the deal. I even changed it back to call the Shunammite woman, and that's, I thought that's probably better. That's better idea. That's good. That's not what fair. What am I? Th- is we there agreed anything? A group. We're going down as a group. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Like there was a resurrection of a, of, of someone that. I think that's Veggie Tales. Yeah. No. Okay. No. I, no so I'm will. I'm, obviously, the sneeze is wrong, but like I feel like <laughs> you mean the major part of the answer. Yes. The sneeze no, is incorrect. For, I for some reason thought that was the right answer. I no, don't I, know why. But I'm, I gotta look at, cause I feel like there's a resurrection story. I'm not interested in the motivation of why you got it wrong, Booba. Yeah, I also think Batman is real and chicken fingers are low calorie. <laughs> you guys don't understand. I was No, sure but I do right. believe that chicken fries should just be called chicken fingers. <laughs> you ever seen those things? They look exactly like chicken fingers. Yeah. All right, Lazarus, Lazarus sneezed and the stone rolled back. And <laughs> you know That's what? Right. Hammer what? pants. Keep going. Why were you sneezing? It stinketh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, number six. What did Elisha pray for uh, the Arameans when they came down against him? We said that God would strike them with blindness. That is correct. Yes. Yep. Question seven. What did God do in response as Hezekiah wept to God in prayer? We said healed him. That is correct. Question eight, what did the Lord do when Job prayed for his friends? We said restore the fortunes of Job and gave Job twice as much as he had before. That is correct. Question nine, who responded to Daniel's prayer of confession? We said the angel Gabriel. That is correct. Wow. Question ten, where was Jonah when he prayed to God? We said in the belly of the fish. That is correct. So what what you're saying is, (laughs) what you're saying is, fellas, that when we did this quiz, we were we were pretty spot on. Yeah. And we got one wrong. Yep. One specific We're not gonna point that out. Question yeah. wrong. I'm a and there seemed to, sneezes, so to there seemed to be an obvious joke answer that was put out by creator of this quiz. By a funny man. And and a fellow funny man recognized that and went, I, I dig on those sneezes. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think we all learned something today. You I got, think we did. You got smote by an 80-year-old KJV-only quiz creator. <laughs> I think <laughs> he hooked and reeled you in and is laughing. <laughs> I, think, I think we all learned something today, and I think that's the more important part of us getting 100%. Welcome back to the land of the living. Now count his sneezes Achoo. in case it gets out of hand. <laughs> he Se- might have make sure he didn't again. get resurrected That's with right. a cold. He's got seven sneezes. He's still dead. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord brings him back to life, only to be taken down by the common cold. <laughs> what a a man. That would have been a big deal back then, Mike. <laughs> you never know. They didn't have modern uh, medicine. Who put the jalapenos in oh, the embalming spices? <laughs> I think there's too much pepper in here. This kid, he's having a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
tired. Should I call the Shunamite woman? No, no, no. no. Count his no, sneezes. No, no. don't the tell us. The answer. <laughs> That's right. Don't tell his mom there's too many sneezes. Wait Only if he sneezes down. seven times. Either, either walk back and forth in the room, oh, call the Shunamite woman. Get that dead man a Kleenex. Or count those sneezes. He's, he's grossing all over the bed. <laughs> you know what? Kill him again. <laughs> I can't put up with all these sneezes. I can't deal with these sneezes. He's obviously in misery. How unsanitary. <laughs> all right. Now we answered a total of nine out of ten questions correctly for a oh, score of 90%. So close, but missed it by a sneeze. The How quiz ha- has been taken 32,000 times since October 12th of 2004, and the average score for this quiz is 69%. See, we did way better than the average. Yeah, that's true. They must have two boovas on their team. <laughs> <laughs> I pray for anybody who has two boovas on their team, Mike. I feel terrible for that family. They just comedy all the time, the boovas. <laughs> oh, man, you hear that one about the sneezes? Oh, yeah. Pick that one. It's going to be funny. I on this one. <laughs> You know, would we really be doing ourselves a justice if we would have got a hundred percent? We would have, we our, our heads would have gotten too big. Oh yeah, yeah. Not like the guy who says it's the sneezes. I'm sure of it. I, I just, don't know. I this is There's this is the, in me. This is the three seasoned fellas in the room that followed the guy that said the sneezes. Uh, okay, now that is a, that is a valid point. That is, yep, that's problematic. Should we trust Booba's intuition? No. No. Know the show for almost a decade. You know, no. The answer is no. Always, Mike. <laughs> All right, we got time for one advice. Ready? Yep. 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 Dear life from the path, my husband Joe and I have been married 45 years, and he drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I've asked him countless times to use better table manners, <laughs> speak proper English, and treat others with respect. I'm not asking so, for perfection. Those are three big things. I know I'm not perfect, but if, some, if someone pointed out something I was doing incorrectly or that embarrassed someone, I'd change what I was doing. Besides asking nicely, which I always do as to not belittle Joe, what can I do? It's hard to ignore. Okay. What if Joe said, stop pointing out the bad stuff I do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you try quit doing that? <laughs> Speak proper English. <laughs> Who did you marry? Okay. Uh, I'm going to, uh, here, here's my official. This woman needs to go to a neuro- neurologist. Because there's obviously some, some dementia setting in. Been with this guy for 45 years. 45 stinking years. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly she's like picking at him. Something's wrong. She's not healthy. She's sick. She needs help. It's really turned south on her. She yeah, married a yeah. man who calls himself Catfish. Maybe it's not dementia. Maybe she has hemorrhoids. Maybe she has what? arthritis. I don't know. Something is making her upset. And it's not her husband. That's just an excuse. Hemorrhoids, huh? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she she may have it? hemorrhoids. <laughs> would do this it. guy doesn't have bad table manners, horrible etiquette, and speaks broken English. You know, really, you're right. After 45 years, it's a little hard to say. That's I've asked truth. him countless times to use better table manners. I'd have given up after year 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've you been know. with him for 45 years, and I just now realized I married a Creole chef. What's happening? <laughs> That's right. Old Catfish just puts his elbows on the table. Ain't nothing you're going to do. <laughs> well, I do the clown. It's like, I mean, Catfish, what you talking about? <laughs> the kids are gone. The grandkids are gone. The dogs have all died. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. It's just you two. Yep. I mean, get over it. She's just sitting in a corner scowling at him the whole time. Yep. Get your TV tray out and enjoy yourself. Yeah. You ain't coming to dinner, woman. Catfish ain't wearing no pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's etouffee. Uh, yeah, I mean, just get a dog so that something is less offensive than your husband. Yeah, train your dog. At least he's not drinking out of the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy. <laughs> Speak proper English. I just, I'd really want some examples. There. Actually, that reinforces the potential that he's a Creole chef. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Ho, ho, ho. Joe, I told you, we're not going to do that at the table. Why did that happen? Shrimp and two feet, baby. <laughs> I wear no pants. <laughs> Catfish, why are you wearing no pants with the chili peppers on them? I spicy, baby. I spicy. <laughs> Where'd you get that catfish name tag? <laughs> I bought it on Amazon. <laughs> Why is he doing that? He's, he's 45 years. It's got to be, be something throwing it over the edge. Yeah, we've been married for 45 years. You haven't done that. Oh, now I do. I'm adding to the character of the, the relationship, baby. Uh, my, my wife would be thrilled if that was the only stuff wrong with me. Right, yeah, right? forget this gal. This, uh, this guy seems awesome. I want to party with Catfish. I'd like to date this guy myself. <laughs> this guy seems great. <laughs> he seems like a laugh, laugh a minute. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, so I think the, the, it's to sum up the advice, the ship has sailed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've been late. married for half a, half a century, close to. It's too late. Yeah, it's way too late. That was the question. What can I do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, out out catfish the catfish. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, start farmer snotting out in the, in the kitchen. I don't know. <laughs> right, put your knees in the salad and see what goes out. <laughs> All right, Secular says, after 45 years, you should have come to the realization that you cannot change another person. For the sake of your sanity, learn to change the way you react to your husband's poor table manners and bad English. Because he's a sloppy eater, consider eating with him less often. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't take this catfish. I don't care. <laughs> catfish got too many friends. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a uh, blah blah blah. Because his grammar isn't up to par. Try to remember that you married him this way, and he managed to get the words I do out well enough to satisfy satisfy the officiant. <laughs> As to his disrespect for other people, the next time it happens, don't ask him to cut it out. Tell him. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Hey, man, Dan, have you ever had someone say something different than I do when instructed? Like, what, what was the noise? Uh, Usually they're nervous <laughs> enough. They'll just, they'll just do whatever. They'll just say whatever. They'll just say whatever you tell them. Yeah. yeah. Do you take this woman? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me wait for sneezing. Catfish takes what catfish wants. <laughs> All right, you made the mistake of listening to the Live from the Path. Hey, if you're just joining us for that Tim Mackey podcast, just know that uh, he gave up after 10 years. Not us. <laughs> We're smarter than that. <laughs> We're still cranking out the hits over here. Uh, but if you want to complain about the show, I mean, God bless you for your free time. Uh, maybe you should pray to the Lord on that thing. You got time to do that. But otherwise, you can give us a give us a text or a phone call, 515-517-0085. That is not a live line. No, there's, no, there's no one. The thrift store priest is standing here, but his his hands are occupied. So, I mean, no one's picking that up. So, you'll be leaving a message or shoot us a text. But that's the complaint line, 515-517-0085. We do thank you so much for listening to us on the show, uh, especially if you've been hanging out for that full decade. Uh, you know, uh, we'll invite you to the show, to that uh, thing we're going to put together if we ever do that. And you can you have the seat of honor. Congratulations. Oh, we eat Chinese food again. Yes. We, that's what we need. Is We only ate out for Chinese when we were having to try to court a uh, advertiser. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's do a buffet. A buffet night. Yeah. We'll invite people. It's Dutch treat. I mean, come yeah, on. That's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, we'll see you when we see you. In the meantime, be faithful means God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.